Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby! Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. With us today is one of our very favorite guests, Dirk Vermin. When you think of tattoos in Las Vegas, you think of Dirk. You might know him from the old reality show, Bad Ink, but if you know him just from that, you really don't know him. He has the the best tattoo parlor in town, and that's saying something around here, Pussycat Tattoo. Also, a rock and roll performer. Again, very surprising, very good. Dirk Vermin and the Hostile Talent, which I love that name. Well, Dirk, you know, we were just talking before, really, people that know you from the Bad Ink days and so forth... You were almost really playing, like you said last oh, time, you played you know, a part. I had to kind of rationalize what that even was. Because uh, in the beginning, you think you're going into a reality show. And if you, if you don't know what reality is, it's not reality. Well, I didn't know that. I thought TV shows, I, you know, I'm not a big reality fan. I'm not watching, you know, Housewives of Beverly. It, you, you think that there's some sort of um, reality. Because it's called reality TV. It's absolutely not. So... They take an archetype. Basically, they look at what they fits neatly into a box. You know, mine was a bad boy with the heart of gold, that kind of thing. And <laughs> right. they got the added benefit that I'm a father and a businessman, all that stuff. And I thought, okay, that's, that's not a horrible archetype to be. But then it became so convoluted and a little bit of scripting and none of it was real. I mean, not one second of that show was, was not uh, produced. Right, and the whole so, idea of you laughing at people, never, not, you would never do it, right? I've never laughed at anyone's tattoo, ever. And, and now I see their tattoos, I'm like, I, I, the, 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 let me check that out before commercial. I just don't, I don't care. Well, you know, we had some people say they had heard of seeing you on that show, and then they went there, and the interesting part, they come back and go, he's not like that on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you just, you get into, like, a, a, it's a character. And right. it's a character with my name in my shop. I actually have those children. And that's it. There's nothing else that was real. The rest of it was kind of manufactured into uh, a character that you portray. It's very strange. Did you ever try to talk to them and say, look, you know, Every try, day, it a di- huh? try it a different way? Because you're well, interesting just as you well, are. Well, what, what I would do is after a take, and then they'd give you the, the feeded line, you know. So you, it was, a lot of it was improv. But you're improving in a situation that's not real. Right. So you're just, you're acting. And it turns out I'm a hell of an actor because nothing, you know. Which the irony here is, I've never lied to anyone in my life except on basic cable for two years. You know, it's unreal, so. and yet people love you from that show. You know, yeah, so. I, and, and I, I don't mean to be so bitter, but uh, it really, uh, I think ultimately, I mean, we can talk about a lot of things, but I think it, it, it led to the, some health issues that I had last year, just the the stress of it and and all of it. Uh, I'm no victim here, but. Uh, Man, if you if, talk a little yeah. about that because you look yeah, yeah. great now, and I know you know I follow you real closely online and so forth. And you had some scary times. Yeah, I, I had a stroke uh, Christmas Eve of uh, last year, year. So yeah, wow. I mean, so it, it affects my speech a little bit still, but but I mean, I had a stroke and that was uh, crazy. Should not have been here 
in in this capacity. Like I feel really really good, and my doctor said I can have a few drinks here and there, which is kind of nice. Um, but that's because I did the work after the stroke. But I had two TIAs, which are minor strokes. I had yeah. that in uh, before the hospital. Then I was taken to the emergency room. You know, short story, which you know people have heard many times. But um, then I had the major stroke in the hospital. So, in the hospital. In the yeah. hospital. And if you want, if you want to have a stroke, I'm not not that I recommend right. this, but if you want to have a stroke, make sure it's ten feet away from a nurse. Right. Because that saved my life. If I would have had that stroke uh, on the couch at two in the morning, I, I wouldn't be here. You didn't see that coming, though, no, right? Not at I all. mean, not at all. I mean, you know, my 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 liver and lungs probably did because of my drinking and smoking, but <laughs> it, that's actually not what caused it. I had an arrhythmic heart. Uh, but I had an arrhythmic heart uh, recently. I didn't have it. I had a full um, workup, uh, what do you call it? A physical. physical yeah. A full physical in 2012, 2013, and everything was immaculate. But at that, that time, I was working out six days a week. Um, I was uh, eating healthy. I was doing a lot of good things for my health back then. I, ironically, this was a, a, the year before the TV show. So at least when I got the TV show, I looked good, I felt good, right. and I was able to handle the stress that it was about to cause. But after the end of the show, then I was like, man, I stopped working out, I started smoking and drinking more, and I just was miserable, depressed, didn't want to be here, went back to therapy, and, and whiskey is also a therapy, you know, and, and all that thing. And I think yeah. ultimately my heart just said, you know, F you, and decided to uh, go arrhythmic, whatever that means, and it beats against itself creates a pool of blood in the bottom that, that makes clots and one of those clots attached to my left ventricle and decided to stroke me out so it's wow. that's, that's something. so it, it changes you a little bit oh yeah well yeah. you know because you're not the the wild crazy guy that some people might think of it especially from that show yeah because like you say you're a good family man and so forth i mean you, i well I, i'll be real honest here i wish i was a better father and and and, and weirdly i think most men feel that way yeah uh, even if you're hands-on because my children don't live with me and now they're you know, one's in college and one uh, graduated high school and she's going to be a tattoo artist. So I'm getting closer to my daughters. But, yeah, I've never felt I was... I certainly mm. wasn't the father that was portrayed on TV. Because, well, yeah. you, know, you know, and I mean, that's... But it's good, you know, it, but I am in my children's life. But I think that's just me being... Well, sort, as sort you're getting better for recovering from yeah. the stroke, does that kind of go through your mind? Wow, I got I to gotta do this now because yeah. who knows? Well, yeah, exactly. You know, if, if my wife hadn't have gotten me to the emergency room, I wouldn't be here. So that, that kind of makes you... It puts things in a different perspective. Absolutely. And I really just wanted to get back to normal. And, and weirdly enough, as soon as my doctor said I could have a drink or two, oh, that's all I needed. Now, I'm, you know, I'm done. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't need excess, which I used to do. I used to drink to excess because uh, I remember saying to my doctor when we, we were talking about you know, recovery because my recovery was almost miraculous. And I said, you know, all I, I just, he goes, you know, is there anything that you miss? And I said, alcohol. Yeah. I go, yeah. I was really good at drinking. Well, you know? apparently it didn't. I mean, you're an artist. I mean, all yeah. you do is take a look at you. Just your work is on yourself. And, yeah, for uh, sure. You know, I mean, that, that never stopped that part of it, huh? Even when you were drinking. I remember you telling me oh, that. Yeah. One of the things that always stuck with me is like, there's going to be pain, but that's part of the deal. <laughs> absolutely, I, I, absolutely. And it's important for people because people that want to go in there and they think it's cute, and then they go in there and it's like, no, it's serious. But. Plus, how do you talk to people in your job? You, you, your parlor is just great. Everybody knows it. Do you try to tell people, like, Think this through. By that, I don't mean not do it. I mean think through. This is what you're going to be wearing the rest of your life. Yeah, I, 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 there's there's two schools of thought on that. Um, if I'm feeling noble, I will tell you this is a horrible idea. Actually, 
I'll tell you it's all a horrible idea because there's a, there's a joke in in my circle where uh, if you if you get a tattoo from me, mm-hmm. I said you know uh, Dirk will tell Dirk what you want yeah. and then he'll tell you what you're going to get and they're never the same thing. So I, I'm just I'm at a, at a point with my career especially because I won't do cover up anymore or things like that just because of the television show. Just really, it makes me feel like I'm working for A and E again. But actually, yeah. though, your cover-ups were great. We talked a little uh, about the, it. I mean, the ones that were real were awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones that were fake, season one, uh, <laughs> were, were not. That was a punchline executive in New York Googled. Uh, hey, no regrets. That'll be funny. Let's, uh, let's hire an actress and, and put no regrets on her with a Sharpie and have Dirk pretend to cover it. Yes, that was my TV show. And so that, I didn't want that to ever be my legacy. So I became proactive in attacking the show because... You, you're not going to tell me what my career is because they almost single-handedly destroyed my reputation. So that's uh, that's why I don't do cover-up anymore. It's just yeah, so you had to make a decision. You had to kind of go to war with them, and you I had did. to be willing to yeah. take the risk. Yeah, and then now and now, and that was lawyers. They, they did, I earned the the title hostile talent. I earned it, and eventually those lawyers decided uh, let him go. You know, let's uh, let's let this show end. And I'm like, thank you, because I in the middle of takes, you know, I get ready for a bleep in the middle of takes. <laughs> I'd end, you know, I'd end the, the things and it would, you know, like, hey, you need to say this. And I would say it. And then I'd look right in the camera and I'd go, fuck you, New York. And uh, <laughs> then they would, they, that, all that footage would go back to New York. And I said, fire me already. Fire me. I don't want to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. It's, it, it's just, it, it was, it's just a soul sucking exercise. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And the money wasn't, I mean, it uh, got to the point was, where the money wasn't more. The, the, it, huh? the money. The money was embarrassing. <laughs> the money, ironically, not even ironically, how about truthfully, uh, the money was embarrassing. I, I made more money as a tattoo artist every day of my life than on television. What was the I idea to draw people to you? I mean, is that what you? Well, the idea about? is if if you if you play their game, yeah. eventually you'll become a producer or something worth more than just talent or hostile talent in my. Um, and then you get a financial thing. But they A and E owns owns Bad Ink. It's theirs. They own my image on Bad Ink. Hence, no fedora. You know, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to promote that anyway. But they, it's, uh, they own all of it. I don't own any of it. So when, when the show reruns or they sell it to Netflix or Hulu or, or the, the entities that they sold it to, I don't, I don't get a piece of that. I mean, you're you a know? true artist in the way uh, top singers are and the way top painters are, all yeah, this yeah. thing. How long did it take when you got on there and go, wow, this is not worth it. Uh, I'm selling out. Oh, it was uh, the first day of filming. You know? Really? Yeah, because I mean, well, the two tattoos showed up that weren't there. And mm-hmm. I looked down, Pamela Anderson, I go, where's the tattoo? Because I saw the footage of the, of the actress. Didn't know she was an actress. I thought it was a, an audition for, to be on the show. No, she was an actress. And I go, where? And I, so I was talking to her, and she goes, oh, I don't have that. No, they're just going to, the makeup department's going to put it on me. I go, what? Yeah. And then I looked at the producer and the director. I go, what is this? And then when the show aired, I did that, he goes, well, that's, uh, this is just a pilot to sell to the network to see, show what the show could be. This will never air. Yeah. And and in television, if you film it, they will air it. And I, <laughs> yeah. I learned that pretty quickly, you know. And so I re- and I didn't know what the first episode was going to be. I had two hundred people at Rera uh, gathered there, big widescreen TVs. It was the premiere episode. Okay, this is it. This is, this changes my life. You know, I'm I'm this one day. You're uh, the next day. You're famous and all that stuff. And that did happen, you know, sort of. But uh, I I all of a sudden I saw myself. I go, oh my god, it's the Pamela Anderson girl. Oh, this is bad. And then HD, they zoomed right in on that tattoo. It was drawn on, not even with a Sharpie, with a pen. Oh, man. And I looked at it, because it was supposed to be, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be filmed. 
But the, the network said, you know, the footage was so good, and that was my daughter's birthday party. They really liked the storyline. They didn't care about the tattooing. And so, you know, because we were following Duck Dynasty, they, they liked the story. It, it, the tattooing almost had nothing to do with what they were trying to sell. And so I, in 24 minutes, I saw my entire reputation destroyed. 25 years in the business, the next day. Wow, you, you, covering fake tattoos, how you feel about yourself? I, I was attacked online. Uh, and no one, no one came to my defense, not A&E, yeah. not anyone. And, yeah. and so it was, I'm sitting there taking the weight of all of this. Oh, man. And, and I just, and I was, I was devastated. I remember sitting in my office the next day after the show aired. What have I done? I thought that was it. I thought this is the end of my career. This is the end of everything. Oh, but I'll be famous. I called up my producer at A&E and I go, what, you, guys, you guys just, just destroyed my reputation. Oh, no, Dirk, you know, any publicity is good publicity, you know, and that kind of thing. So that, and, that, and now yeah. this is the next two years of my life. And so in season two, all the tattoos were real. All the, all the stories were real. There was no actors, no anything. That's all I wanted. Right. But by then I was done. I just, I finished that, that season and I just said, please, please fire me. I don't want to be here. This is awful. And then it's been, here we are. This is five years ago. And, yeah. it, and they're, still, they're still selling the show to different entities. And it's aired all over the world. I went, I went to Costa Rica. Everyone knew me there. I went to Mexico. Everyone knew me there, which sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it, helps, it helps with my bar tab. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but I didn't, there's no financial gain to any of it um, because I, I couldn't, if it, you know, I could sit in my shop and find, a, find some homeless guy with a Duck Dynasty beard who can stand next yeah. to me and point the tattoos Anyone can do that and laugh um, and pretend that it was, it was the show and charge 500 bucks a, an hour. Nah, I can't do it. No, and I like yeah. the idea because you go to your website, you go to your parlor. There isn't like, as, as you're seen in Bad Ink, you don't do any of that stuff. I don't, I don't promote them at all. In fact, in, in my, uh, there's, uh, I, I guess we're cussing today, sorry. There's a, there's a sign in my shop that, that's, uh, and it, it's, it's really, it's hand-painted that I, I did, and it's really cool. There's, there's an executive uh, who looks like the, a devil holding a money bag, flipping off you <laughs> with a big smile on his face. It looks real 1960s kind of art. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. art uh, not Art Deco, but the advertising. Mad uh, Men uh, yeah, yeah, type thing. Kind of yeah. That, that, yeah, exactly. And then it says, F*** Bad Ink, as seen on TV, 100% fake. <laughs> Actually, it says, F*** A&E's Bad Ink. You know, I, I made it very specific. Uh, I actually got uh, a, a, a letter from a lawyer for that, and I just laughed. I wrote yeah. back, I go, this is my opinion. I can put whatever I want on my walls. Sue me. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the threats from A&E, they came immediately after the show when I, when I went kind of, like I said, proactive on, on all of this. So. But, you know, people yeah. that heard our first interview, they'd say they'd all of a sudden hear something like HGTV. Well, gee, this isn't real. And, like, on some of those things, they film it both different ways, so they find they decide what's sure, sure, better. Sure. And they're going, Wow, Dirk was right. And I go, yeah, and you were really, you were kind of a pioneer. You were the first one to call him out. Because, yeah, uh, I was also the first one to get you know threatened right, to be packed. sued as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they when I tried to get out, it was one hundred and fifty. They were going to shoot me for one hundred and fifty grand for breach of contract and non disclosure and all that stuff. And the and the book I'm working on when that comes out, if I'm not sued, then I'm not doing my job because <laughs> right. I am telling the truth. You know, I probably shouldn't be telling all this now and let the book come out. But to be honest, by the time the book comes out, everyone's going to forget about the show anyway. So. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll have you again uh, on the show to talk about the book. Yeah, so yeah. we'll, we'll that, do that, this that'll again. Be next year. My priority next year is actually to get a book done. And the book is not just uh, the TV show. Right. That's, that's literally one chapter in a 13-chapter book. So it's about a lot of things. 
We'll have more in just a moment with Dirk Furman, leader of the punk rock group Hostile Talent, as well as the former star of Bad Ink on A&E and the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor. But first, when you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas, but by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. The lobby, in fact, is a restored shell from the old La Concha Motel. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. Really unique Las Vegas experience. So you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. You are listening to Dirk Berman, the former star of Bad Ink on A&E, the owner of the Pussycat Tattoo Parlor, as well as the leader of the punk rock group Hostile Talent. Well, you've, you've got a really interesting life, and I think even kind of the health scare that you went through and kind of the way, way you've come back from it, it's inspirational and it's important. And I think you bring a certain amount of class to the world of tattoo. I think people have this idea, and, it's, it's, and I guess there's reason for it in some places. Absolutely. But you go into like dirty places or – you go to uh, your place, and it's not like that. Yeah, Pussy, Pussycat is, is – it's the only shop that I'm aware of that's like this. I have nine private rooms – Kind of like this room we're sitting in. And then they just tattoo stuff on the walls in a sink, and that's it. All the rooms are about this size, and they're all private, and they're, uh, every single person that, that rents from me, it creates their own environment. There's no other shop like that. Most shops you go into, yeah. uh, it's, it's open floor, maybe pony walls at best, but, but mine is completely custom. It's an be- absolutely beautiful shop, and I'm very proud of that and proud of you know, what I... What I do, I understand the stigma. I remember when I first got into tattooing, my my father being outlaw profession and bikers and sailors yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and that and that was valid. That was the perception then. Now it's artists, and and when I so I, we're talking, I've been 22 years in the same location. Very first custom shop, and by custom I mean we draw for you, in the history of Las Vegas. Period. No one can dispute that. Most other shops are flash shops, and that's valid. You can pick something off the wall. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But in my shop, especially then, it was, it was unheard of because if you're drawing for a customer, you're not making money. If you pull right. it off the wall, they're gone by the time you would get the drawing done. Right. So it's, it was that kind of mentality that I was kind of uh, getting away from. But it's, it's great because, you know, you come here to Vegas for a great meal. Maybe you can't have back home. Well, you're also going to get the tattoo. If you're waiting and you want to do something wild – Plan it to come out here because this is going to be something nobody else is going to have. It's going to be done by the best. I, I think that's really important. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, very, very proud of it. And in, in, in this town that seems to dismiss almost everything and throw it away, I've been in the same location 22 years. And that's unheard of. No, I mean, so, right. Yeah. It means something. So you've seen, you've kind of seen Vegas in those 22 years has had some big changes, you know, over sure. that time. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, we all made a lot more money 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's oversaturated, oversaturated market. You know, you know, we always try to find the best of Vegas. Well, we love your, you're our tattoo guy. No question. Do you work with some of like some of the, the hairstylists or some here that people fly in from all the world, uh, designers, that kind of thing. Do you work with them sometimes where they know to say, if somebody wants that to send them to you or vice versa? Uh, you, you mean hairstylist? Well, what? either a hairstylist. Or, it could be anything Vegasy, like we're something the best, you know, the only in Vegas. Yeah, yeah I, I would say you know, that, that's more like a, friend, a friendly thing. Yeah. And, and the tattoo world is very uh, clickish and small. You know, everyone kind of knows each other. And yeah. so uh, my good friend uh, Oliver Peck, who runs a... Uh, uh, 
he out in Dallas there, uh, amazing uh, Elm Street tattoo. Um, and he's on the show uh, Ink Masters, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just, but he used to always send me his cover up work. Yeah. You know, from worldwide, you know, and he'd go, man, the only guy I know that can do that is Dirk, man. You got to go down there, you know, <laughs> and he's and he's great. So that's there's a respect there, you know, and, and certainly he's gone through the television thing uh, and still going through it. I think that might be one of the only shows that's still on the air. But, uh, you know, much respect for guys like that. You know, people come, they, they see you and they these are high end tattoos on you. Mine, mine are not. They're just a lot of them. Really? I paid okay. $150 for this You're entire... kidding. Wow. <laughs> Looks good. <laughs> well, my, don't, don't look at my tattoos too closely. <laughs> I'm the mechanic whose car doesn't run, trust me. <laughs> you are too honest, you know okay. that? <laughs> yeah. my, my first wife said that, too. <laughs> Let's talk about your daughter, because mm. I think that's really cool that she's getting in the business. I mean, was that something you kind of encouraged? No, never. not at all. My, both my daughters grew up in the parlor. I mean, literally, because yeah. I, I built that parlor before I, had, I even had children. And so Jasmine's not very artistic, and she's in college right now. She's at mm-hmm. NAU. Phenomenal kid. She's a biology major, smarter than I'll ever be. Yeah. You know, both my children are better than I'll ever be, but, but they're, they're good kids. And I give uh, my ex-wife amazing credit. She's an incredible mother. She did all the heavy lifting. I took him out for pizza and patted myself on the back. I go, <laughs> I am a good father. Look at this. Wow. Wow, extra pepperoni for you. And, uh, and yeah. just, uh, at Disneyland next? Oh, my God. You, I am a great father. You know, and then my, meanwhile, my ex-wife's doing everything else. You know, and people are like, you're such a good father. I'm like, uh, yeah. you, just, you kind of feel like a fraud. I hate to, to be that way, but it, it kind of feels that way. But, um, but yeah, you so, got to feel like you must have done something right because that well, she wants you know, to do what you do. Ridiculously honest with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe too honest. I don't, I don't mean like, you know, friends, but... But I, I've just, uh, I'm not a typical father by any mean, means. And so with Tiger Lily being artistic from day one, she couldn't help but be absorbed, especially in the, in the tattoo parlor. And so I think, because I never, ever wanted to push her into tattooing. Tattooing can be a rough business, especially for a female. And now mm-hmm. with uh, the market being so oversaturated, like I said, she's competing and now there's tons of female artists. She's competing with a lot when she finally gets going. But, you know, she has my legacy and she'll have yeah. my shop and some protection there. What do you and, tell her? I mean, what kind of things does she need to do in your idea, in your mind, to uh, differentiate herself? Uh, well, she, she's a phenomenal freehand artist and can and look at anything. She's a better artist than I was at her age. You know, she, she's really incredible. So I think she'll do well. And she, she's been in the industry, so to speak, long enough to, to see what artists have done to know what she needs to do, but she also needs to be told what she needs to do right. because there, you know, there's a, the apprentice uh, sensei uh, relationship um, is, is, is super important in the tattoo world. So she needs to actually understand it's not daddy yeah. teaching you how to tattoo. It's your sensei. And, and you've got you to gotta clean that toilet and you've got to do the things. You've got to earn it. Because, uh, you know, I have a tendency to, to take care of my children. I don't want right. to, you know, so I'm going to let the other guys in the shop kind of bully her. <laughs> and, and then I'll, I'll hold her gently as she, she sobs and we'll see, we'll see how she does. But she's going to be an amazing artist for sure. Is part of that too, like where you see somebody's going to put it on depending on what their various characteristics are? And it's an interesting idea. I wouldn't put it there. I'd put it somewhere else. I mean, does that come up? Well, and that's what you're supposed to do. That's our, that's our job. We are the professional. And, and if I feel something's a bad idea, 
regardless of what it is. I mean, because there, there's a lot of tattoos I won't do that most tattoo artists would do. Something like a cancer ribbon. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a horrible tattoo because uh, I'm sorry your mom died from cancer. Well, thank God you put it on your arm and you can look at it every day to remind you that your mom died from cancer. Oh, and you put the date there. How nice for you. Wow, you're having such a good day. Oh, shit, my mom died from cancer. I forgot about that. Oh, that's awesome. It's a tribute to cancer. Not a tribute to her mother. It's a tribute to the disease that killed her. So me feeling that way, as soon as I say that out loud, it, every, everyone goes, oh, my God, I never thought of it that way. Right. Well, no one does because if you get on Pinterest then look up cancer ribbons, there's a thousand people with great cancer ribbons who love them. But as soon as I say that, it changes your, your mindset. And I go, how about instead of memorializing the death, we celebrate the life? And it's, and it's just one little sentence that, 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 that makes people get, think of something else. So, and, and, and having some understanding of, of the, the psychology of tattooing, which I, there's a, the book that I'm pretending to write, it actually has a lot of that in there. There's a, a, a small part of it about the psychology of it. Um, because it's knowing what people are going through, knowing what people want, if I don't take the higher ground and, and, and give them a better direction, then shame on me if it's, just, if it's just about the money. And if it was just about the money, I'd just point at your tattoo laugh and charge you a bunch of money and, and then we'll be right back after this commercial. You know what I mean? Right. And I could have sold out then. So, you know, yeah, financially, I'm a horrible person. I, 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 did, I didn't take anything that show did and, and capitalize on it. Not anything, but I Matter got my... pride, right? But I, yeah, I got my integrity back, and that's right. what it was about. I needed that. So, you know, a tattoo artist, especially anyone that's been doing as long as me or, or, or longer, you have the knowledge. So people need the guidance when they come in. And then sometimes, having said all that, which is very noble, it's just a tattoo. And I don't feel like arguing with you. And the guy down the street's going to get this, the same money I'm going to get. Yeah. And guess what? My power bill is to do just like his is. And where do you want it? Your boyfriend's name? Sounds good. <laughs> you know. Okay. Jeff Foxworthy has this bit about, so, talks about tattoos. He goes, some of these tattoos of these girls get this cute little dolphin. 20, 30 years from now ends up being a whale. <laughs> ah, well, you know. So, I mean, do you kind of look at that and kind of think of it for the long haul? I mean, does that come into the there, play? There, there's certain tattoos that uh, you put in certain areas. So knowing that they're going to age. And we all get bigger around the middle, and we all, right. you know, that's just, that's just life. You know, so maybe not put your portrait of your parent, parents on your belly or something <laughs> like that. So there, there's certain areas where, where tattoos are. But if you think about it as, because I, I remember the criticisms for years, years ago, it, people would say, you know, well, how are you going to feel when you get older? Um, I go, I guess I'll be the coolest grandpa on the block. You know, and, and meanwhile, I'm at Starbucks and the woman's got a neck tattoo and she's 22. Whereas it was when I got a neck tattoo, which, you know, was 22 years ago, that was a dangerous thing to do because you would it, it's your you can't hide it. Right. And so it was a very bold thing. And now you got people are getting facial tattoos like it's nothing. It, it's it's changed so much. You know, it really, it's really has. has. And, and quite frankly, the tattoo is acceptable even in the business world. Where yeah, one yeah. time, you know, you had to do something where you could hide it. Yeah, yeah, you, millionaires with tattoos. I'm sorry, basketball players with tattoos. <laughs> Isn't this sports radio? Are we I wear my sports shirt even. So like there that. You go. <laughs> Let's talk a little about the music because that's really a part of your life and you've been doing yeah. it for a while. The Hostile Talent. Yeah, Dirk Vermin, The Hostile Talent. It's my solo project. Uh, put a, a record out last year called Sweet Dreams from the Gutter. Uh, the, literally the finest record I've done in 30 years. 
and, and I, I should have brought him there for you, but uh, I'll bring her back another time. We hear you on YouTube yeah. all the time, and people are surprised at how good it is because they kind of, I tell people, they think it's a goof. And I go, no, no, you no, got to go in there way before, to I did that yeah. before tattooing. I, I, was, I put my first record out uh, when I was 19, 20, you know, and this is in the 80s. Yeah, I think, yeah, my first record was 1987. How would you yeah. uh, describe that music? I, I was trying to think about that before, but I'll let you do it. How well, would you I mean, describe it's, it's, it? It's, it's, it's very much like classic punk rock. I would yeah. say like okay. not so, not like hardcore, like, like uh, uh, you know, super, super fast. It, it's more melodic. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't like, you know, somewhere between the Ramones and the Misfits and, and that kind of Good thing. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, you played the bowling, right? Punk rock bowling. Yeah, we, we did that yeah. last year. My, yeah. My goal after, after the stroke. Uh, we were hired for punk rock bowling, which is a big deal. We were literally the yep. only local band, period, on punk rock bowling. That's a that's a great and, festival. And actually, so, yeah, it was amazing. And yeah, we were, I mean we played with some heavyweights. And so um, my goal after the hospital, excuse me, was to get to punk rock bowling. And so uh, literally a week before I had I had my uh, punk rock bowling was on the twenty seventh, and I had my the major doctor's appointment on the 21st that were going to tell me if I was going to be okay because I, I could not, I couldn't get my heart rate up. Really? Um, you know, so there was a fear of me being on stage literally. And so the doctors were like, you cannot be on stage. You can't get the adrenaline because yeah. they were, they, they thought that the clot was going to leave and then stroke me out. My doctor was very clear. He goes, if the clot leaves, it's aneurysm, heart attack, complete stroke or death. He goes, those are your four choices. Period. Now what you want to hear. Yeah. That's those are, those like, are bad four. Oh. Yeah, 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 and there's and so I was living in in bubble wrap, you know, yeah. practically, and not getting my heart rate up, and not I couldn't exercise. My my muscles were atrophied. Well, that's got to be hard awful. for a guy like you too, because yeah. you lived with you know adrenaline oh, yeah, flowing I, I, all the I time. Lived, yeah, three hours a night, I got ADHD like crazy, and so my it's funny because my ADHD was battling with my heart, who has now been slowed down by all the pills I'm on. Yeah, and and more normally I'm I'm, I'm this normally, yeah. and I'm like. <clears throat> Yeah, are we going to watch Netflix tonight? <laughs> Can I get a soda water with lime? You know, I was just like, oh, God, this oh, do you life. See, yeah, do you yeah. look like in the mirror sometimes when that was going on and going, what's the point of this? I, <laughs> I, I hated it. You know, I, yeah. I, I put on a happy face, especially for my wife who, who, who yeah. saved me and, and it was amazing. But uh, at, at, I would literally look in the mirror just going, what, what have I done? This is awful. I don't, I don't want this. Because yeah. if I can't play, and I, I can't get tattooed because of the blood thinners, yeah. I can't play because of the stress. I can't drink to combat the, the, right. the everything else because I don't I don't I don't take drugs of, of any kind, including the ones I probably sh- should be on for the ADHD and everything else. But alcohol seems to work, so that was um, not having that. And my my wife, my wife saw, well, you could do yoga, <laughs> yeah, and I go, you don't understand. <laughs> I go, a man needs vices, <laughs> yeah. and I loved my vices. You know, my cigars. Oh God, do I love cigars? My cigars and my whiskey. That was it. And, you know, and, and sex with other women. My wife won't let me have that. Yeah, that's not happening. So that's not happening. And now I can't have, now I can't have cigars and I can't have whiskey. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess that's yoga. Oh, yeah, very, very tight. Cor- yeah, Corona Premier, when, when, when Corona Light's too heavy for you. Yeah. This is my new favorite beer. Yeah, but, hey, at least you could drink it, right? I mean, that, that's the oh, yeah, thing. So, you yeah, know? so we're at the doctor's. So this is the 21st. And a week later, I'm supposed to be at Punk Rock Bowling. So he's doing all the tests and everything is like, Wow. You're, you're doing good, and and so my wife goes, well, he's he's going to be playing this punk rock bowling, and, he, and he's uh, and this is an old Indian guy. But he didn't know what's, he what's goes, that? Punk rock bowling? What is that? 
And and so she, she goes, oh, yes. Yeah. He goes, play music. You're fine. You're fine. And she goes, uh, his music's very aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, let this man live his life. And I just started cracking up. And so then we're talking about vices. We hadn't, you know, yeah. we hadn't had sex in a while because of the stroke. And she goes, well, what about sex? He goes, yes, yes, have sex. Have yeah. sex. Thank you, doctor. And I go, thank you, doctor. And I, I go, I told you, I told you. I go, well, since we're talking about vices, uh, yeah. can I drink? <laughs> and, and, and I'm just waiting for the answer, like, please, please, please. And, and he goes, you know, a, a, a cold beer at the end of the day, a glass of wine with dinner, you'll, you'll be fine. And I go, what about whiskey? He goes, whiskey, beer, it's all the same. <laughs> I just like, yes. So my first shot of whiskey since Christmas was we, right before punk rock bowling. Uh, the bass player, Paulo, hands me a flask. And he goes, are you going to be okay? I said, absolutely. I took that shot of whiskey and I took another one. And I hadn't had whiskey in six, six seven months. Tasted extra, and extra I'm just good, like, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, especially in the heat in a flask sitting in his, his gig bag. But um, I, I just felt that burn. And I go, okay, let's go play some punk let's rock. Let's rock. <laughs> and, then, and, and so we got up on stage and everyone, literally, they were taking bets. Okay, if he dies now, you know, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, the 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 guy that runs the record label, he goes, "We were worried about you. We're watching." And then he goes, as soon as he heard the first bad joke, and and yeah. I and I jumped on stage. He goes, "I think he's going to be okay." And then we went through the set, and and it, and it was awesome and, and perfect, and just it was the best it could have been. And that all of a sudden it it, it put because that was half of my year. Yeah, I'm like, okay, now we go this way. So it's been you know just moving on and. You know, doing more music. I, I've got uh, three other bands. I have a band called the Dead Dolls, which we play almost weekly, and that's uh, same same kind of music. Yes, yes, similar, yeah. but it's a cover band. We just do like we yeah. we we ended with um, uh, ACDC, uh, Let There Be Rock, great song, uh, Motorhead, Overkill, yep, and Cop Killer by Body Count. <laughs> Wow! So, yeah, you're playing. It's, a, it's an it's an eccentric mix of uh, well, that's what the punk. The, I, I was so happy to see you in the punk role. Uh, Punk rock bowling, yeah, yeah. Because I've been covering that for years. I just think it's a cool thing that's out here that in that world is really appreciated. You know, Iggy Pop played there, and so oh, forth. sure, sure. So it had to feel good going through the year that you did. They're like, wow, it's kind of like this is over. Next stage, yeah, yeah. And it it, it it gave me a goal as well because it, you know there was a lot. It wasn't. I, I can joke about it now, and trust me, I joked about it then. Yeah, you know, I just I remember being in the hospital after the stroke. And I, and I was bummed because I couldn't flirt with the nurse. Yeah. And my wife goes, and then as soon as I started flirting with the nurse, the wife goes, okay, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I just needed to get back some normalcy. Yeah. And, and so, and, and now, but now it's like a new normal. And it is kind of weird just, you know, psychologically, not to talk on such a deep level, but um, it's hard to know how to fit into my new world. Like my, because my old self is not, it does, it's not valid anymore. Right. The well, guy, there the are guy, some limits, right? Yeah, that you on, didn't on, have yeah. On December twenty third, I'm one guy, and December twenty fourth, I'm a different person. Yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen on Christmas, you know. And so uh, that was that was. It's been a little distressing. I, maybe maybe that's too harsh, but it's been a little hard to to fit into this new world. Well, it's got to be scary because yeah. you go through that once. I'm thinking you're always thinking, uh oh, you know, yeah. no matter what. On the other hand, though, man, every day is a gift, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you for know, sure. So. and you're yeah. a positive guy, basically. Oh, without all a doubt. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was crack. Literally, a, a, an hour after my stroke, I'm cracking jokes. Yeah. You know, I, I just I remember waking up because I was I went into a coma and in, in the hospital, and then when I came out of it. So get ready to bleep. <laughs> when I came out of it, I literally just let out the biggest. 
<laughs> and I, because I, I couldn't speak, I was paralyzed, yeah. everything. And so when I came out, and every, and then there, there's 15 people in the room, a bunch of doctors, yeah. nurses, and my wife looks, she goes, He's he's back. He's fine. He's fine. You know, because she was beating on my chest. Don't don't you die? Don't you die? Wow. Yeah, it, it was crazy. And so then a couple of days later, and people I, always you know, always ask when yeah. you go through a coma, was do you, is there anything you remember of it all? That just strictly was gone for that period. Yeah, of time. I didn't see my dead grandmother. You yeah, know. nothing like that. that. There was no you always light. Hope that's yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, and I'm not a very religious person by any means, but but it certainly. Uh, my wife said, you had an out-of-body experience. I said, no, I had a trapped in my body experience. I could hear and, and feel, yeah. but I couldn't like, feel physical, but I could feel cold, and I could hear voices, but I was trapped. I couldn't open my eyes. I was completely paralyzed. It was the, the, one of the, the, the craziest things I've ever experienced in my, in my, my entire life. You know, and then my speech. Oh my God! So I'll, you'll you'll kind of hear me trip up a little bit. Not, you not sound too much. great. I don't I don't hear yeah. any of it to be honest with but, you. But but in the beginning, a yeah. lot of stuttering. Not I could pointing. Frustrate you know, the hell oh, out of you. It was t- yeah, because I'm a talker, man. Right. I, I'll talk all day. So it's it, it was very hard to not communicate. I think my wife was happier that I shut my mouth for a while. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. I like him. I like him like this. You know. We got some rules yeah. now. Yeah, like, ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway. So where do we go from here? Obviously, you got a lot of life left. Well, you I got have, the book coming, right? Yeah, the, the book I'm going to try to finish by the end of the year, and, and that's kind of my focus for next year. This year is the 20th anniversary of my parlor, mm-hmm. which we're doing October 5th, and that's going to be uh, at my parlor. We're going to have an art show, and then uh, some bands are playing, mine included, uh, at the Double Down. And so that's a big celebration of 20 oh, yeah. years. Um, I'm going to write a new album. I'm not sure if it's going to be Hostile Talent or what I'm going to do, but I'm going to work, try to work on an album, another album by the end of the year. I have a great concept. It's called Diablo Blanco, you know, and, and just it's, 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 a, it's a really, really, it's going to yeah. be a really, really fun album. Um, and so that's, you know, music-wise. And then the Dead Dolls are just, we're just having a blast just playing music. So uh, Hostile Talent doesn't play as, as often because the guys mm-hmm. are in so many other bands, but uh, Dead Dolls plays almost weekly. And, we'll, and that's, that's like a passion to you, right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I need to play. It, it, you know, with, without drugs in my system, outside of, you know, Coumadin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was never like a drug guy, but right. I, I just, uh, my drug was, was, was playing in music and stuff. That would kind of my release, I guess is a better way to put it. That's well, we got to get you back when you have the book, so we'll definitely sure. plan that for next year. In the meantime, though, we want to come by. Where do we find John Lyons so we can find out wherever uh, well, you are? If, if you go to DirkVerman.com, there's a link for everything. But mm-hmm. if you go to Instagram or Facebook, it's just at Dirk Verman. Very simple. Just just search me, and that's actually me. For a while, it wasn't you know during, when, yeah. during network days, but uh, and I don't post as much as I should. But I certainly uh, you can find me there. But every, everything's a link on DirkFerman.com. And so, if you're coming for a good. tattoo, come out to the Pussycat. I mean, absolutely, yeah, PussycatVegas.com as well, and that's. Uh, Great shop, celebrating our 20-year anniversary. Yeah, 20 years in yeah. a tattoo parlor. That's a long time for a tattoo parlor. Sure. Right? They come and go. You, you see and I'll be, there, I'll be there another 20, and then I should be square with the IRS by then, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Doug. Oh, man, that joke really, hurt. Really appreciate that. Yeah, those, yeah that does hurt. <laughs> I feel accurate, for you. <laughs> and accurate. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We really My pleasure. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast, with new shows loaded twice weekly. Got a guest idea? Email us at info at VegasNeverSleeps.com and catch the show live every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network.